Good morning. Good to have you this morning. If you're new, uh, we're really honored to worship with you this morning. We're, we're thankful that you came and that you chose to gather with us this morning, and it's always a blessing to, uh, to get together. Wow, what, uh, what events we're seeing, huh, in our world, and uh, just interesting times. I hope, honestly, that the times that we live in, that you find some excitement in them. I, be, I believe that these are incredibly exciting times for Christians to, to live in. I, I, I believe that we live in a very much evident uh, of a changing world around us. And um, I think as Christians, we, we should find that exciting because as God kind of shakes the world that we live in, we begin to question things. We begin to, uh, we begin to look and, and, and say what's important and, and, and what's not. We, we uh, as, as believers and then unbelievers begin to say, what, what is life all about? So are we, are we, gonna come, are we coming with that? Are we in, in a minute here too? So I, I, caught, I, I called this uh, One Cause, and um, so here we are, we're, we're continuing our journey through 1 Peter, we're in chapter 4, um, we're in verses 12 through 19 today, and um, it's this idea of, of what are we living for, and, and as a matter of fact, honestly, Peter's going to hit us again with this concept of suffering and struggle and persecution and the things that the church is experiencing there, and things that um, our brothers and sisters presently this very day um, struggle with around the world and stuff. And so, um, to be honest, I, you know, I was kind of like, oh, man, really? Again? You know, but Peter hits this in every single chapter, not just once sometimes, but, but multiple times throughout these chapters. And there, there was almost a tendency in me to almost be like, ah, oh, let's just I don't know. I mean, I'll just brush run through that real quick, you know, and just kind of, but that's not why we get into God's Word, and that's not why we study this way of, of just going through a, a book of the Bible. And I believe firmly that this is God's Word for us, and particularly at this time, that this, this, this message is just right for us. So um, as, we, as we kind of look into this, um, let's delve in this together. So... Um, First Peter starts by telling us this. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of his glory, you may also rejoice and be overjoyed. So again, Peter is reminding us that, that, that honestly, that as Christians, that the reality of it is, is that we, we should not be surprised at a struggle around us. There's, there, we shouldn't be surprised if there's a cost to our faith. We shouldn't be surprised if we um, enter into and find ourselves uh, persecuted. This is a, a picture, um, a, a, a painting, obviously a very old one. It's called Nero's Torches. And um, this is what the believers in Peter's day were, um, were facing. And, and this is Nero lighting up his party with a bunch of Christians um, to, to provide light for his evening party. Um, a woman in India watches as her sister is dragged off by Hindu nationalists. She doesn't know if her sister is alive or dead. A man in a North Korea prison camp is shaken awake after being beaten unconscious. The beatings begin again. A woman in Nigeria runs for her life. She has escaped from Boko Haram, who kidnapped her. She is pregnant, and when she returns home, her community will reject her and her baby. 
A group of children are laughing and talking as they come down to their church's sanctuary after eating together. Instantly, many of them are killed by a bomb blast. It's Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka. Revelation 6, 9 through 11 says this. It says, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on the earth? And a white robe was given to each of them. And they were told that they were to rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were to be killed even as they had been was completed also. What a hard teaching. What a hard teaching that, 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 that persecution and martyrdom are actually a part of the, uh, the church and the proliferation of the church throughout the world. Um, listen, to here's some stats. Uh, last year, there were 2,983 Christians killed for faith-related reasons in the top 50 World Watch uh, countries. Uh, 3,711 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned in the top 50 countries. 9,488 9, churches or Christian buildings were attacked, um, and the primary cause of persecution in these countries is Islamic oppression. Um, Eleven countries are scoring in the extreme level for their persecution of Christians. Six years ago, North Korea was the only country that was listed as an extreme country. Christian persecution is actually on the rise in the world that we live in today, that there are actually more Christians. As a matter of fact, um, it's a crazy statistic, but, but if you look at the amount of people who have died for their faith in the last 100 years, it exceeds the number of all who lost their their lives for their faith, the previous centuries leading up to that. So, so Christian persecution is on the rise. The Bible tells us that this is a reality in our lives and, and, and that um, we should not be surprised. Again, I firmly, firmly believe that while I don't know what level of persecution, I have no idea of knowing, but it's coming to us as well that there is gonna be a price tag for your faith coming up and you have to be prepared for that. We have to know the reality of that. We have to be ready for that. Um, uh, for 19 consecutive years, North Korea has ranked number one as the world's most, most dangerous place for Christians. Um, there are 260 million people, 260 million Christians in the world that experience high levels of persecution for their choice to follow Christ. One in eight Christians worldwide experience high levels of persecution. Six percent is the rise in number of Christians in the top 50 countries who experience high levels of persecution from 2019 to 2020. It went up six percent. And so this is really pretty, uh, pretty major. It's pretty phenomenal, actually, if you think about it. Verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his name. So it isn't the suffering that determines the reality of somebody is being persecuted or martyred, it is the cause for what they are being such as. So, so we, we want to be a people 
who, um, if we are suffering or find ourselves in suffering, that we recognize that, that it's for the right cause, that there's one cause, that, that God has called us to be a people who recognize that we are not, this, there's no permanence to this world, that, that we're passing through, that this world is, is merely um, a stage in our walk with God, and that, uh, and that we're to live uh, not for the things of this world, but for the things to come. We're to set our minds on the things of God and what he has for us. I want to read just a few um, kind of little stories here. And this is from, uh, out of a book called Jesus Freaks, and it's uh, put out by Voice of the Martyrs. It says, uh, I was in the central highlands in Vietnam when someone remarked about how the Christians suffer there. One Vietnamese Christian remarked, suffering is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Disobedience to God is the worst thing. Death is much sweeter to me with the testimony of truth than life with the least denial. That's Galatium. He was martyred in St. Angelo, Italy in the Middle Ages. Philip, one of the disciples, right after Stephen was martyred in 34 AD, Philip traveled to Samaria where he led an early revival that was accompanied by signs and great miracles. Later, when the disciples divided the known world between them, Philip drew what is now Turkey and Syria. He taught and planted churches in many cities in this region. Finally, he came to Hierapolis in Phrygia. Uh, the idol worshipers there would not listen to the gospel Philip preached, even though the Lord worked several miraculous signs in their city. Some ancient historians say they whipped him, threw him in prison, and later crucified him. Other historians say he was tied to a pillar and stoned to death. Philip died in 51 AD, becoming the second apostle to be martyred. And I would make note, too, that Stephen was the first martyr. And an amazing thing that Anna had pointed out to me a long time ago about that martyrdom is that it says, if you look at it in the book of Acts when it speaks of this, it says that, that when Stephen looked up into heaven that, that they were about to kill him and he, he saw Jesus. And it says that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Well, Jesus had been seated at the right hand of the Father, but stood to receive the first martyr of the church. What a, what a, what a picture. Matthew, while still in Jerusalem, Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews in Hebrew, later at the dividing of the countries among the disciples, Matthew drew Ethiopia. There he accomplished much with teaching as well as with miracles. Ethiopia's king, Agrippus favored the Christians, but when he died, an unbelieving heathen took the throne. King Hyticus had Matthew arrested. While he stood teaching in his church, he was dragged outside, nailed to the ground with short spears and beheaded. He died in 66 AD. Jude, the brother of James, Jude, also known as Thaddeus and Labaius, wrote the book of Jude. He was also the younger brother of Jesus and James the Just. He traveled in Mesopotamia, Syria, Arabia, and Persia, present-day Iran, reaching as far as Edema. There he preached boldly against worshiping idols and making heathen sacrifices. When the pagan priests saw that they were losing followers and money because of Jude's teaching, they attacked him with sticks and clubs, beating him to death. He died in 68 AD. Simon the Zealot, also known as Simon the Canaanite, he preached the gospel in Egypt, North Africa, uh, Morintia, 
an island in the Indian Ocean, and the islands of Great Britain. Some historians say he was crucified in Great Britain in 70 AD. Other historians say Simon left Great Britain and went to Persia, where he found Jude. Together, they steadfastly continued teaching and preaching until Jude's death in 68 AD. Later the same year, Simon was painfully tortured and crucified by a governor in Syria. A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me, for they don't know God who sent me. The words of Jesus. I tell you this so you won't be ashamed by my death. If you love me, you will rejoice that God has called me to this honor, which is greater than any earthly honor I could ever attain. Who wouldn't be happy to die for this cause? I trust in my Lord God, who put in his mind, will, and affection in my heart and chose to lose all my worldly substance and my life too. Rather than deny his known truth, he will comfort me, aid me, and strengthen me forever, even to the yielding of my spirit and soul into his hands. Bishop Nicholas Ridley, burned at the stake, Oxford, England, 1555. Peter goes on to say that... um, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will become the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and of the sinner? And so we have to recognize and we have to know that it starts with us, that it begins within the church, that, that, that we're called. And, and you know, as believers, there, there's no need to fear God's judgment. See, you won't see the white throne judgment. That's the judgment for the unbeliever. And if you're in Christ, you won't see that. You, you'll, you may see it, but you won't have to fear it. You won't have to go through it. But we will sit at the Bema seat of Christ. And we will be, our lives will be looked at and they'll be reviewed. And, and so there's a time where as the church, we have, to, we have to look at this and we have to look at this scripture and we have to look at God's word and we have to look inside. And we have to say, in reality, where are we at? Where are we? And what are we really living our lives for? What kind of things really hold our affection, our attention? What kind of things hold our treasure? Where is it that we've placed our treasure? Because Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And, and so there's this call within the church to, to begin to look inside, to repent, to begin to uh, understand that we are the people by whom God has chosen to bring change into the world. If you want to see change in the world out there, it has to start in here. And if it doesn't start here, it isn't going to happen out there. So it all begins within us. It begins with us and, and a desire to really follow Christ, to be spirit-filled followers of Jesus sold out wholly and completely and totally to what his will is. Not saying, send me, God, but recognizing that we are a sent people today. Wherever we go, wherever we're at, we're always sent. Now, God may send you somewhere. I don't know what he's going to do, but I promise you that he has plans and he has things for each and every one of us today. He has unique giftings that he wants to see you express within the body of Christ to glorify God, to show the world around us who he is. Remember 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. 
then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Again, it begins within the church. It begins within the body of Christ. The call isn't for the world out there to change. The call is for the church to change on the inside and then take that message out. It's my people, if they're called, if they humble themselves, if they repent, if they pray, if they seek my face, if they turn from their ways. And I think that this is a reality that we've got to look at. It says, if they turn from their wicked ways. And I think that I, I have to look at my heart and I have to say, where is your heart really try? Where are you at? And what has really leaked out onto you from the world? What deception am I living under? What, what, what kind of things am I believing that just aren't true? And this is the call for the church. And if we do that, if we do it for real and we pray and we get on our face and we repent, it says that God is gonna to begin to hear us and that we'll be the agents by which he will begin to heal the land. Isaiah chapter one deals with the same thing. Jeremiah chapter three deals with the same thing. And it always goes back, in Isaiah one, he's talking about, look, how come you keep doing all this religious stuff? How come you keep doing these, you know, the, the, the sacrifices and all of this stuff? He's like, it's meaningless because your hearts aren't there. So religion was never a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing back then. It wasn't a bad thing for the Pharisees. The problem with their religion was that they had come to believe that their religion justified them before God or the practice of their religion had justified them before God. So church, church is great. I'm all for church. I'm all for church attendance. But don't think that church saves you. Coming to church does not save you. Jesus saves you. The church hopefully is a vehicle. It's a tool. It's a, it's a place where we come to know Jesus. It's a place where the church assembles, where we come to know him better and to grow and to encourage one another and to change our lives. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God are to entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So we trust and we believe that what God has said is true, that it's right, that it's, that it's proper for life. It's, it's the right calling for a Christian. These are... Iraqi refugees here. So in 1990, the Iraqi census counted 1.4 million Christians in Iraq. At the fall of Saddam Hussein in 2003, there were 1 million Christians in Iraq. More than 400,000 Christians um, have been forced to flee from Iraq. And today, it's believed that there are about 224,000 Iraqi Christians they've almost been successful in an absolute genocide against these people. There were 2.2 million Syrian Christians, and today there are 774,000. Fifty percent of Iraqis Christians may have already left the country. Um, before the liberation of Iraq, there were 20,000 Christian families living in the Dora neighborhood of Baghdad. Today, only 3,000 families remain. 44% of Iraqis seeking asylum in Syria are Christians. And that's a crazy thing to think of because they only uh, make up about 4% of the population. Help the Christians of Iraq. 
the future of our children is wasted. And this is a, oh, sorry. That's a bomb blast at a church in the Middle East. Think we can roll that video? We got a video we want to try to look at of a young man in Iraq as he comes back to his home. بشر <تصفيق> the top 50 countries in which Christians experience extreme persecution, North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Sudan, Yemen, Iran, India, Syria, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, Maldives, Iraq, Egypt, Algeria, Uzbekistan, Myanmar, Laos, Vietnam, Turkmenistan, China, Mauritania, Central African Republic, Morocco, Qatar, Burkina Faso, Mali, Sri Lanka, Tajikistan, Nepal, Jordan, Tunisia, Kazakhstan, Turkey, Brunei, Bangladesh, Ethiopia, Malaysia, Colombia, Oman, Kuwait, Kenya, Bhutan, Russian Federation, United Arab Emirates, Cameroon, Indonesia, and Niger. Today, if you were a Christian in China, um, the, the, the Chinese government is ramping up their efforts to, to, uh, to uh, persecute the church and to catch Christians, and they've, they're, they're putting cameras everywhere with facial recognition software, and so they begin to target Christians and track people and all kinds of things. I spent, I, I got to go to, to China one time, and um, 
and experience and see it. I got to smuggle Bibles into China, into Vietnam and into Laos. And, um, and, and in China, uh, we went to a church there. And the church, though, when you went and you read the Bible, the whole Bible wasn't there. They had edited the Bible. They had removed the parts of the Bible, anything that, that, that they didn't find or, or find to, uh, for government approval was taken out of there. The book of Revelation was gone out of the Bible. Anything that dealt with uh, just, just anything. And so, that, so they believe that Christians are, are actually an affront to, to freedom and to good living and things like that. And, and we're, we're living in a country with the media and all kinds of stuff that is, is not, um, it's very opposed, honestly, to Christian ideals. And so if we hold to biblical standards, we're going to see ourselves challenged in the future. I think the big question is, is do we even think about it? Do we even realize it? Do we even take a minute to think about our brothers and sisters around the world who experience what they experience, who live in a way like that, like a, a young kid like that who comes home, he's been a refugee for three years. So much of the, the refugees, and the Bible is so plain. It's so, it's so just there that we're supposed to care for one another, that, that uh, the reality of who we are and the God that we serve is made evident by the love that we would have for one another. And I don't know that we're even always, and I'm talking about me, how much do we think about people like that? Or do we just live in our bubble? Do we just live in our little bubble and go to church on Sunday and play church and just kind of do some churchy stuff every once in a while? But in reality, the majority of our lives is lived for ourselves. Our friend Barney in, in Nepal, we're about to do a, a baptism. And he, uh, if, when he does a baptism, he faces the possibility of five years in prison for baptizing someone. And last year, he did 97 of them. As a matter of fact, he just took his truck up. We were talking to him the other day, and he went up into a village and beat his truck. The clutch went out of his truck, all kinds of stuff. And he was just talking about what a miraculous thing the whole deal was. How I many, they baptized like 14 or something, wasn't it? I think they went and he baptized 14 people. 14 times five. It's a potential prison sentence that he did, faced to go and do that. But, you know, he, he's, and his clutch went out of his truck, and just the whole story was just so amazing to hear how God, how the Holy Spirit got his truck back, he said, you know, and he was like, uh, he said that, that these guys started pushing it, and it went 10 miles an hour all the way back to Kathmandu. It'd pick up a little more speed going downhill, and it'd get to the top of the next hill, and then it'd just start back down. He said it was just a miracle. And the one guy was like, there were some drunk Hindu guys or something that were helping him out, and they were like, yeah, uncle. They were calling him uncle all the time and stuff because he's an older guy. But, uh, but uh, they said, yeah, it was this Hindu God that got you home. He said, it was not. It was Jesus, <laughs> he said. So anyway, so anyway the, the, to be honest with you, this, 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 isn't, this, this isn't meant to be condemning. I think it, it, what, what we want to be is revelatory. We want to think about this. We want to we get this on our minds and say, well, where am I at? And this isn't about condemnation. This isn't about shame. This isn't about throwing this stuff. Oh, boy, this suffering stuff. I'm so sick of hearing about it. Okay, whatever. But God's not sick of telling us about it. And, and, and so we should be open to where are we at with this. We should take an honest appraisal and say, where's my life? Where's my heart? And you'll find your heart with your treasure. Where's your treasure? What thing do we treasure? 
Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that, that you've called us to, uh, to emulate you, to, um, to have a ministry that, that, that shows the world who you are. We thank you that you know us, that you've gifted us, that you've, you've given us gifts by your spirit. Lord, may we be a church that, that, that recognizes that the, that the use of those gifts is the way that you're made famous in the world around us, that you've brought us together to, to share these things, to, to take the unique things that you've given us and to use them within the church and outside of the church. And, but but, but we've, you've given it for your glory, that it belongs to your spirit, and you give them as you will. And so, Lord, we recognize that. But we pray, Lord, that we would just be a spirit-filled people, that we would follow close to you, that we would love you so much, that we would recognize that there's really only one cause to live for in this world. And that if we do that, if we, if we do that in the right way, that we may certainly face struggles, but the blessing is gonna exceed any struggle we could ever experience. The, the reality of a life lived for you is the most exciting life that can be lived here in this world. So help us, Lord, to live as pilgrims. Help us to recognize that our home is not here, but that we're passing through, that you have a higher calling for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.